35th District Conversations continue this week. And now Senator Drew McEwen on the phone line. Drew, how you doing? I am good, Jeff. How about yourself? Good, good. Good to talk with you. I've been talking with your counterparts in the House this week as uh, we're kind of looking at some of the things that are in the uh, budgets, the supplemental budgets and and what you're working on there. There is a $3 billion surplus, it looks like. And uh, I saw some notes out that uh, the House Republicans were looking for strategic fiscal investment. So I ask you, what are you what are you concerned about in uh, the Senate side of these? Uh, and where where do you think you have an opportunity to kind of uh, change some of the change some of the numbers, maybe to help uh, some of the issues that you're looking at? Yeah, you know, on the, on the Senate side, uh, all in all, the budget isn't uh, isn't isn't too bad of a proposal. I am, uh, however, very concerned about the House's proposal. Um, you know, they have in there, quite frankly, a uh, buy off for votes and. In there is, is a uh, is a two hundred dollar rebate to uh, Washingtonians if uh, if they vote down the initiative on the carbon tax to uh, to repeal the the uh, uh, the Climate Commitment Act. If that initiative gets repealed, you magically get two hundred dollars. I I find that uh, just um, abhorrent uh, that that is a proposal in the House budget, and I'm very disappointed with that. And I think on the Senate side, when that uh, when everything goes to conference, I'm hopeful that that gets taken taken out. That is probably my biggest concern in there is that it's just a blatant uh, uh, disregard for uh, you know proper stewardship of the taxpayers' dollars and to uh, and to try to frankly uh, uh, direct the uh, the outcome of a vote in November. So how um how is that how does that work? Yeah, I mean, well, the way they phrased it in there is that uh, there's a there's a rebate check that would go to consumers for the the higher cost of uh, fuel and uh, utilities due to the Climate Commitment Act, but that that rebate only occurs if the initiative is voted down. Um, I, again, I mean, I just to me, it's just blatant uh, uh, electioneering with the uh, with the state operating budget, and I'm just I'm appalled that they would even present that. It's just, so, I mean, there's some politicians that have gone to prison for doing similar things. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit now, if when it gets to, to your side of the chambers and you, you mention and hope that it's not going to go anywhere, if it's in there, what, how does it work in the process? Uh, is it an amendment that was added or you, you're, you know, you're reading through and somebody goes, wait, no, we should strike that or explain to us how that could potentially get removed then. Yeah, the budget process gets a little uh, a little wonky uh, inside politics, so to speak. So what happens is both chambers uh, do their respective uh, proposals, not just for the operating, but the transportation budget and the capital budget. And they, in each chamber, will pass their own budget off of the floor. And and then because there are so many differences, they do what's uh, what's called a conference report. And so the budget writers from both chambers come together. And, uh, and negotiate uh, what, what the final one will be. And then ultimately what happens, and I, I forget which year we're in right now in terms of how we do the process. So I'm just going to say this as an example. I'm, I'm not positive which way we go this year, and it doesn't matter in terms of the final outcome. What will happen then, and, and it, this, this rotates every year as to whose turn it is to go first, but um, what will happen is let's say we're going to use the House operating budget as the vehicle. Once the negotiations are done, what, uh, what it's produced is called a striking amendment where it strikes the entire budget and gives the new one that's now been negotiated. And so, like I said, if this were done on the, on the House side, 
they would uh, they would amend it on their side, vote it out. They would come over to the Senate, and then we would vote it out. That's how the process works uh, with uh, with the budgets. Like I said, we rotate it each year as to who um, which chamber is uh, is going to lead on it. And like I said, I, I don't remember which one we're doing, which way we're doing it this year. But it, it doesn't matter in terms of the final outcome. Um, what what matters is what happens in that uh, in that conference committee when they uh, when they negotiate a final budget. And you know, I I, I think the the Senate has a much more reasonable approach to the overall budget that. Uh, uh, doesn't spend as much money and uh, doesn't uh, doesn't try to bribe the voters on uh, how they vote in November. Senator Braun, one of your counterparts over there, is uh, kind of 50-50 on how these initiatives are going to be heard. There are six initiatives that are uh, going to be up for the voters this November. Um, but in the interim, you have an opportunity to hear some of those. It sounds like three are going to get a chance for a public hearing and three are not. Um, are you happy with that? Or are, are, are you happy with the ones that were chosen? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'm glad that some are getting heard. Um, I'm disappointed that some are not getting heard. I think they should all be heard. The state constitution is rather specific that initiatives to the people shall take precedence over all other legislation with the exception of appropriations. Uh, that, does the, that means that they need to be heard. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to take uh, voting action on them but they should be heard. I mean, these are initiatives that the people of the state um, have said, you know, we, we want our voices heard on these issues. So, yeah, I'm glad that they're at least going to hear three of them next week. Uh, that'll be the uh, uh, change in the law and police pursuit, making it uh, more reasonable so police can actually do their job and enforce the law. It's a novel concept, apparently, in this state. Uh, and then the other one would uh, ban an income tax, and then the other one deals with uh, parental rights, especially uh, in regards to education, and that uh, you know parents have the uh, the ultimate uh, authority with uh, when it comes to the upbringing of their kids. And again, that's something that's been eroded by state law over the past, literally just in the past five years, uh, the most. So I am glad that those are getting heard. I wish they would hear the rest of them, but um, you know we'll we'll, we'll take the uh, the base hit that we can get and. You know, already um, when I was looking at it uh, uh, just a little while ago, the number of people that have already signed in in support of the three that are being heard, they're, they're all north of 96%. Um, so it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's pretty, pretty obvious that there's a pretty strong support for these initiatives. Uh, and again, just because they get heard, and they're going to be heard as a joint committee by both the House and the Senate, so it'll be one hearing. Um, and, and that'll be next week. And people, I'd encourage people to voice their opinion, whichever way they feel on the initiative. It's an important part of the process. And they can, uh, they can go to the legislature's website and, uh, you know, see how to sign up uh, uh, for or against a, a, an initiative and if they wish to testify as well. So, uh, but again, those will get heard. It doesn't mean that they have to go to a vote, but they'll at least be heard. And then, uh, you know, we'll be pressing to uh, bring those to a vote. And if they're voted, uh, they do not go to the governor. Um, Assuming the House and the Senate both vote them off, if that is to occur, uh, it then becomes law 90 days later. You are on three committees. You're the ranking member on environment, energy and tech, business and financial services, labor and commerce and transportation. So let's talk about transportation. What are some things that are uh, hopeful to be stuck in there for the 35th, the Belfair bypass or whatever we call it these days? Is that still on there? Yeah, the freight corridor. Yeah, we still have that uh, on track and uh, moving in the right direction. Uh you know, and I think there's pretty strong support in both chambers to, to keep that there, so I'm pleased with that. Uh, working on increasing the funding to address uh, uh, safety concerns there on 101, that stretch 
that, uh, you know, parallel shelf and, uh, you know, we've seen a number of accidents there and that's only gotten worse. So I got some money in last year to, uh, uh, do the initial design work with Jersey barriers in and Jersey barriers are those big concrete, uh, uh, things you'll see when they, uh, they use them either temporarily or permanently, but, uh, that'll provide a, uh, more of a safety corridor along that stretch of 101. And so we've increased some funding to that. Um, I'm confident that that'll stay in there. And then, uh, Doing some changes to with the Wallace Neeland uh, uh, stretch there. Uh, when you take that exit at Shelton, as anybody who's uh, been there around uh, three o'clock in the afternoon or later knows oh. that that has uh, gotten more and more difficult to navigate. And so, starting to do some initial changes there and uh, make it safer for pedestrians, um, and ultimately uh, get uh, get it to a point where uh, th- that traffic flow is, is better. And that's not going to happen overnight, but uh, again, it's uh, the first step in the process. I just had this thought about the freight corridor and did you ever, or have you had any input from uh, the shipyard, the Navy on supporting this at a higher level? Uh, you know, it'll help get the flow of traffic better through there. It'll help uh, their employees that work in Mason County get to the shipyard, uh, you know, presumably faster. Uh, was it, or were they ever part of that conversation? It's come up at other times. Um, the, you know, they're certainly uh, uh, supportive of it. Uh, you know, they haven't had comments on it uh, as of late. Uh, but, uh, you know, through the uh, uh, through the coordinating councils that uh, represent Mason and Kitsap, uh, you know, that's always been a part of that conversation. And then, um, you know, they, they have a huge focus on uh, getting the gorse interchange uh, redone. Uh, that's that, that ties into it as well. So, yeah, to answer your question, they're, they're supportive of it. Uh, they haven't voiced anything as of late because we're moving in the right direction, but it'll certainly have a uh, have a, a much-needed benefit to the region overall and to the shipyard. Let's talk about what it means to have um, a page and what it means for the kids that are able to come on campus and, and page for you guys. Yeah, I, I think it's a great program. You have to be uh, at least 14 and not yet 16. And it's uh, what, what they do is they, they work in the legislature for a week um, and you're sponsored by either your senator or one of your uh, representatives. And uh, they, they have various jobs that are assigned to them uh, throughout the week. A lot of it, uh, you know, it's ministerial, um, you know, and, and, and running a lot of errands and everything. But they it gives them a behind the scenes look too at what's going on. And, you know, I think probably one of the more enjoyable things is when we're on the floor with debates. They're uh, they're there. They help with uh, passing out amendments and everything, and they just they get a variety of tasks throughout the week. They go to to uh, page school. They learn more about the legislature, um, and and I think it's a it's a great program. It's one week. Uh, we we all have limited slots. I think I um, in the Senate on short session, which is what we're in. Uh, we were allocated, I believe, it was four, uh, and uh, you, you you can apply online. Um, and then in the longer session, we get more pages or there's more opportunity time-wise to do that. Um, and my, my philosophy and the way I've always done it is I've treated it as a first come first serve. So, um, you know, I've never seen an application that I would not approve. Uh, so I don't wait for a whole bunch to come in. I just approve them as they get there. And so I would encourage people and, you know, parents to get your kids. If that's something that'd be possibly of interest that, uh, next fall get online and, uh, and apply for those. And, uh, they get to take a week off from school and be here and they get paid for it. Uh, it's a, um, it, it's a good experience. And, uh, you know, I think it really provides them a, uh, a firsthand look at how state government works. 
are they able to interact with uh, you guys a little bit? We go to the mess hall and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they uh, they do. There's, uh, you know, and I, we we'll do at least at least one meeting during the week with them, just one on one, and have a conversation and answer questions that may have come up for them. And um, you know, the as opportunities are available to um, you know to, to join us in uh, you know whether it's uh, having lunch together or uh, you know any of the other activities that do happen during the week. Um, you know, we we try to do that as best we can. And uh, but yeah, it is a good opportunity for them just to to get to know legislators a little bit more and that, uh, you know, we, uh, we get dressed just like everybody else. There's not any big mystery here, <laughs> you know, and that, uh, they get, they get to see uh, their government at work. That's really cool. Senator Drew McEwen, thank you so much for some of your time. Yeah. Uh, and I will talk with you next week as we move closer to the end of the session. Sounds great. You have a wonderful day.